you and I stand, I want to ask you to make a commitment to me here this morning. I would ask that if you're going to listen to this morning's message, if you be a part of this portion of our gathering today, that you would commit to not listening unless you're willing to come next week. Okay? Okay, you may say, but I can't make it next week, even if I wanted to. Okay, that's fine. I'll make a deal with you. You don't have to come, but if you would at least listen to next week, okay? You can go online, meadowlandchurch.org. It'll be up there a few days after it's preached. Uh, you can go to the Meadowland app, uh, just search for Meadowland Church in, in the app store. Uh, you can download that. The message will be there as well. If none of those options work for you, come see me afterwards. We will go old school and print you off your very own CD and get it mailed to you if we have to. Do not listen this morning without committing to listen next week. Deal? I have a little hesitation. That's fine. That's fine. You know, I'd be hesitant if some guy I didn't know just said, hey, let's make a deal. Um, now, that's all I'm asking. I'm going to show you the why. But to show you the why, I kind of need to make an illustration. Uh, so we should probably pray first so it doesn't backfire. I'm just kidding. Um, about four or five volunteers to come on up. No major heavy, heavy lifting, but there might be a little bit of activity, so just be mindful of that. Just, just come on up. I need about four or five volunteers. One person will start us going, and everyone else will come. Four or five volunteers. All right, we got Mike. Come on, we got Dennis. Come on, Eddie. All right, come up, guys. All right, Dennis, I want you to stay on this side. All the other guys, come on over here. This will work. This will work. All right, so these three guys right here represent a community. Okay, so I want you to link hands, make a circle. You are a community, right? Community. Dennis, my friend, I want you to do everything you can do to get inside that circle, okay? Whatever you can do, go. Wow, talk about your all-time backfires. All right, guys, go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. So, let me explain how that should have happened. We can just erase that all from our mind. Yes, I've seen this done. Yes, I've even done it before, and that was the nicest way it's ever been done. Wow. Typically what happens is the circle over here, simply by giving them the instruction, you are a community, and then you come over here to this person and say, do everything you can to try to get inside, they, they fight them off. And, and you know, they're throwing elbows and they're doing everything they can to keep them from getting inside. So I'm so pleased that when we have people come forward from Meadowland and we say, hey, this guy's trying to get in, they say, hey, come on in, bro. All, all, all are welcome. Come on in. So, well done, church. Um... If you would like, instead of listening to next week's message, just go live it out, because you already are. So that's awesome. Um, so I'll think twice next time I do an illustration. But uh, so he, he, what happens is sometimes when we get into a community, our focus can stay inward. Especially as those relationships grow, as they are strengthened, our, our focus can easily become inward. As you can see, that's not always the case. Um, but that, that, that's one thing that can tend to happen. And one of the things we're talking about here this morning is about doing life together, okay? As brothers and sisters in Jesus, we are a part of a family, a community of believers. We've been talking about throughout this whole series how we are citizens of heaven when we trust in Jesus for salvation. That makes us a family. That makes us united. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing to have that sense of family and unity. But sometimes if that's all we're focused on, we can become this, this tight-knit group that doesn't allow others in. And so this morning we're going to be talking about coming together uh, as the, the body of Christ. We actually, this is some of our values here at Metal, and we say it this way. We say you can't do life alone. That you can't do life alone. We also say around here that disciples make disciples. 
part of, of, of growing in our relationship with God is, is by doing that together, that we would sharpen each other, we grow each other up. And so we have this inward focus that to an extent, to a degree, is appropriate. But if that's all we are, if we stop there, we've missed the mission of God. And clearly you saw that that's not the case. So that's awesome. I'm actually excited by, about that and encouraged by that. Uh, but see, we're also we're sent out into communities. As ambassadors of Christ, we talked about last week and two weeks ago, we talked about how we are salt, a preservative, and light, uh, a revealer of truth to our community. And so next week, I want to get real practical about going out into our community. Actually, something it may, may seem subtle, but... Something that we're doing next week, uh, partly because we're coming to the end of, of the tent, we'll have a, up a one more. We'll have food in the tent at least one more time before the season is out. But it's not next Sunday. Next Sunday, there's a parade going on in Johnsburg. I know, I know there's parades over. This one's in, in our back door, in our backyard. That there's a parade going on. It's so what we're going to do. I believe it starts at noon. Uh, we're going to make sure that we get you out of here on time. So if you want to go and be a part, uh, in going out into the community and engage with others, even if it's something starts as simple as. You know, being intentional about where you stand, not so much that you can see the best, you know, have the best position to see the floats go by, but so that you can maybe start up a conversation with someone next to you. Whether you see a neighbor or someone you know, or you just see someone who just got puts them on your heart for whatever reason, they keep popping into your field of vision. You know what, I want to go and just introduce myself to them, maybe build a friendship that would then give me the opportunity to share Christ with them. And so next week there won't be any food afterwards, but it doesn't mean that we're done. It just means that we want to empower you and equip you to be able to go out and live out what we're talking about. We're going out into our communities. Again, we have value statements about that because we're so passionate about it. We would say it this way, that found people find people. That when we've been found by Jesus, we are sent out to go and find others and bring them to Jesus. This is also a piece of disciples make disciples. The first step to making the disciples is bringing them to Jesus. And so this week we're going to get real practical on growing together in community. And then next week, we're talking about going out into our community. We've been kind of hitting around these topics a little bit throughout this series, but I want to drill down on it a little more here this morning. So hopefully you can see that's the heart in which I don't want you to simply listen to this message, but we need to get the whole picture because we come in to go out. That, that is one example of the body of Christ. So if you've got your Bibles with you here, open up to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be here this morning. Uh, as always, if you need a Bible, take one of the ones in the seats in front of you. Use it today. If you'd like to make it your own, you can make it your very own. Take it home with you. Put your name in it. Mark it up. Make notes. If you want to go digital, that is fine. Get the Word of God in front of you. It'll also be on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And as we dig into Hebrews... Um, we need to point out the authorship is wildly contested as, as scholars aren't sure who wrote it necessarily. There's all kinds of theories and, and thinkings as to who it may be, but ultimately we don't know. But some things we are confident about when it comes to the book of Hebrews is, is first of all, it was written to a Jewish audience. One of the ways you can know this is by looking at the language that was used. And when you see language that's used like the law or sacrifices, these are things that would have been common to conversation amongst God-fearing Jews. And so if you're going to go speak to someone who speaks English, you're going to use English. If you're going to speak to someone who speaks Spanish, you're going to use Spanish. If you want to speak to someone who speaks French, you're going to use French. And so in that same illustration, if you're going to speak to someone who lives in a certain context in, in, in their day-to-day -day life, you're going to use what they would know to connect with them. And so here's a, a message to a Jewish audience. And we're also confident that one of the purposes was to encourage faithful living in light of the Judaizers. And what the Judaizers were doing is basically these are people who were saying, 
Uh, yeah, we can accept Jesus as Messiah. He is the Christ. Uh, but we also still need to follow the laws of the Old Testament. In essence, they're saying we still need to be fully Jewish as well as followers of Christ. And that's just not the case. We've talked about that in previous messages. I'm sure we will again. But so one of the hearts behind the book of Hebrews was to correct some of that thinking. Our daily living doesn't look like following the Old Testament laws. And so as we're looking at being homeward bound, uh, people who are, uh, our attorneys are secure in Christ, but we're still living in this world, how do we do that? What does it look like? If you ever thought, does it look like living out the Old Testament laws? We'll give you a whole series, we had a whole message on that. It depends on which ones we're talking about, because some were specifically referring to the law here, sacrificial laws and that kind of stuff. But there are other moral laws, like we see the Ten Commandments, that really can still guide our life today. Uh, But no, the Old Testament way of living it, it has changed. Jesus changed all that. And so we have to go to see what does Jesus call us to. And that's the life that we are to live. And so Hebrews, this letter to the Hebrews, it is trying to correct them in that. And so it's very appropriate for us here today in the series that we're in, as we're, we acknowledge that we are homeward bound, but we're still in this life. How do we live? Okay, well, let's look at another people who got a letter very similar. It says, okay, here's how you go and live. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up uh, for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, since we have a great priest over the house of God. I know I'm mid-sentence, but I'm going to pause there because we we talked about this last week. We we need to put that therefore into context. That very first therefore we started with, you wouldn't start a, a, a... a statement which is therefore unless you've already said something so the best way to put it into context is to look at what comes before it and as we look at the earlier part of hebrews chapter 10 we basically see the gospel presentation to a jewish audience so to a people of god who've been working their lives trying to figure out okay so when, when i sin against god i have to offer a sacrifice to pay the price for that sin but then when i sin again i have to offer another sacrifice because that certain sacrifice wasn't sufficient for all sin so this is the life they've been living while they keep coming to the temple is to offer their sacrifices uh, that's ongoing trying to become right with god maybe some of us can relate to that maybe we've been living a life we feel like what do i have to do how do i have to work you know what what are the things that god expects of me to become right with god let's hear what the author says to this jewish crowd about here's how to become right with god He tells them in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, that you are a people who fall short of perfection. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. They're basically saying the law that they were trying to follow, every time they broke the law, they had to offer a sacrifice, can never make them perfect. We too are a people who fall short of perfection. We've all sinned in some way. I think that's something we can easily agree on, that we've all uh, sinned against God in one way or another, large or small, and so we are, are, are not perfect. Not a big surprise, I think, for most of us. Well, the author continues to this Jewish crowd. He says, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has the power to perfect you. We see that in verse 12 through 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross had the power to perfect them. His one-time sacrifice was enough for them to be perfect before God. 
And I thank God that when we stand before God, if we trust in Jesus, we can be seen as perfect as well. I mean, think about that. When we trust in Jesus, when God looks at us, he sees perfection. Not because of our own works, not because of our own doing, but because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Because he paid the price for all those sins that the sacrifices couldn't cover, but his sacrifice was sufficient. You following with me? And so when we stand before God, if we're trusted in Jesus, we're seen as perfect. But here's something else we need to see. Verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected, so it's the sense of completion, the sense of it's done, for all time, those who are being sanctified. You can almost think of that as being perfected. He has perfected those who are being perfected. And so in one sense, there's this, here's a work that's already been done. And there's another sense of, here's a work that's being done. Because it's not been yet fully realized. And so what does that mean? What gives us a glimpse into how we should live our lives? One that stands as forgiven sons and daughters of the Almighty God. Because God has perfected us through the work of Jesus but still acknowledging that we're a work in progress. And there are things in our life, as we talked about last week, that God wants to see changed. He's going to work in us and through us to bring about that life change, right? And then he sums it up, the author sums up his his point here. He says, uh, if you are in Jesus, there is no need for any other sacrifice for sin. We think about the weight of that. These people have been trying to get to God uh, and to make themselves right with God by offering sacrifices. And now I said, hey, in Jesus, there's no need for any of that anymore. There's no need for any of that because Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient. What does that mean for us today? It means that if we are in Jesus, there is no need for anything else to be made right with God. Think about that. There's nothing else that we need to accomplish or do or receive to be, made, to be put in a right standing with God if we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That's it. And so if you come to the end of your days and you wonder, have I, have I done enough? Have I been a good enough person? Have I done enough good works uh, to, to find God's favor, to be in heaven with God? If you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, then you are going to be in, with God in all eternity. If a loved one is, is in that same position, you say, well, they, 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 they confess faith in Christ. I, I, you know, I'm not sure how much they lived it, but really, you know, I, I kind of saw some of that. If we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we are made perfect. If you push back and say, Steve, but that's too simple. There's other things that go on. Yes, when we trust in Jesus, there's a life change that takes place. And there's a road for us to walk, and that's what we're talking about here, about pursuing God and, and becoming more like him. But no matter how well we do that or how poorly we do that, in Jesus, our eternity is secure. We become citizens of heaven. So if that's what the therefore is referring to, what has just been said in verse 10, I'm sorry, in chapter 10, the earlier verses, let's kind of sum that up. So we started in verse 19 with a therefore. It's kind of saying because of the sufficiency of the perfected work of Jesus and the perfecting work of Jesus. Because of the sufficiency of the work of Jesus. And then he continues, but throws the since. And the since is another one of those words that we should kind of, when we hear it, okay, just like the therefore, we have to ask a question. Because when you say since, you're about to give the context for something you're going to reveal, right? Therefore, you already gave it, since you're about to give it. If I just said, I'm going to have tacos tonight. Okay, Steve, that's great. I said, since someone gave me five pounds of taco meat, 
I'm going to have tacos tonight. You can see how it, it makes sense. You, you're given the context for what you're about to say. And so what does the author say here with that since? He says, verse 19, the second half, and verse 20. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Since we can have confidence to enter into the holy places. In one sense, that holy places is referring to a, a physical, tangible place, um, the audience that this letter would have gone to would have known, okay, you have, you have the temple of God where people would come to offer these sacrifices. And, and a central point in that temple, there was what was called the Holy of Holies. And this was a place that no one went except for one priest, the high priest, one time a year to offer a sacrifice for all people, for the entire nation. And this was, in one sense, seen as the throne room of God. And it was believed and understood that this is where the presence of God resides. And that's where people would come to the temple. They want to come to be close to the presence of God. If you're familiar with the crucifixion story of Jesus, you'll know that, that a lot happened in the moment that he died, the moment he gave up his spirit. There was an earthquake. There were people rising from the dead. There's all these wild things going on. But one of the things that went on is the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, this place that was seen as the throne room of God, his presence. There's a curtain in front of it. It was torn in two, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom, as if torn from heaven. It was a symbolic act, in a sense saying, the price that Jesus paid on the cross has been a sufficient sacrifice so that now we have confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies. The reason people were hesitant to enter into the Holy of Holies is because if, if there was sin that was undealt with, that would bring about their death to stand in the presence of God. But now in Christ, our sin is dealt with when we trust in him. And so with confidence, we can enter into that holy of holies. So while the, the illustration there is in reference to a place, ultimately what it's talking about is God's presence. Since we have confidence to enter into the presence of God, that's a pretty bold statement. So let's put it all together. Therefore, because of the perfected and perfecting work of Jesus in our lives, since and because we can confidently enter into God's presence, what? What do we do? Well, that's where the author goes. We, we, we what? Well, there's a few let us statements that he makes, and that's where we're going to close out our time here this morning. It's about, I'm calling it three and a half let us statements. It's a let us do this. So because of, our, our, of the work of Jesus in our lives, because of the confidence that gives us to enter into the presence of God, because of all that, let us blank. Three and a half let us statements. First one is this. Let us draw near to God. We see this in Hebrews 10. I'm going to read 10, uh, 22 through 25. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And if you remember what this morning is about, it's about being together in community and so you see it at the tail end of that verse okay i can see where we're going but not ne neglecting meeting together but before we get to that point we need to spend a little time about drawing near to god see that, that, that's one of the, the significant things that makes a community of believers a community of christ followers different than any other community or club or organization is that central focus on the person of god is that we draw near to him and so we need to take a moment to talk on that before we can talk about drawing together one with the other. 
See, we need to make God our goal and our purpose in life. Have you ever been a part of something where not everybody was on the same page? Think back to high school and junior high, and, and some people love this, and the teacher's like, all right, well, our next assignment is going to be a group assignment. And you have that one person like, woohoo, I'm going to sit back and coast. And then you have the other person like, oh, come on, I'm going to do all the work because no one else ever does anything. You remember being on those groups? Imagine, you know, if everyone is, is going in a different direction, has a different purpose, you're not going to accomplish much. You're not going to get anywhere. Even if we rally together to go and serve and do some good things in our community, if we do apart from God, any difference we'd make, any change we could make in someone's life is just temporary. But with God, it can bring about eternal change in someone's life. A change that can last, that can start now and last for all eternity. If we're going to talk about being in community, we must first focus on drawing near to God. When you think about the trajectory of your life, um, whether today, this week, this month, that, that we've just gone through, or this past year, just kind of think about that for a minute. Are you moving towards God or away from God through your actions? Are you moving towards him or away from him? And some would say, well, I just kind of feel like I'm stuck even. Maybe you're just standing still in one spot. We see this call, let us draw near to God because of the work of Jesus. Have confidence to enter God's presence and draw near to him. Have you ever been afraid to approach your father? If you, you know, I know we all have different uh, family ties and whatnot, but uh, if you, your dad wasn't in the picture or if your fear was out of abuse, that's not the illustration I'm trying to paint. And so let, let, let's... Just imagine, you know, say a loving father who, who is caring towards his kids, and then you've done something wrong. You broke something. You know it was mom's favorite whatever. You know dad's not going to be happy because he bought mom's favorite whatever for her, and he, it, it took a long time for him to find it. And you come to this place where you may be afraid. Can, can I really enter into my dad's presence because I'm not sure what he's going to do? But that's not the case. Because we have confidence that God is a loving God. We have confidence that our mistakes are washed clean. And so we can draw near to God. See, here at Meadowland, we get real excited about salvation. When someone says, this is my first time, I, I trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. That's an amazing thing. That person's eternity is forever changed. And that is something they can never lose. So that is definitely something to get excited about. But here at Meadowland, we are also excited about baptisms. And here's why we're so excited about baptisms. Because baptisms, I, I would argue, are one of the first steps of obedience we take as a follower of Jesus. When we say, okay, I'm willing to go into some body of water, whether a lake, a pond, or a horse trough up here on stage, and get dunked underwater and brought back up, and everyone cheers for me, I'm willing to go through that weird experience because God's word calls me to. That's the first step of surrendering our will and replacing it for God's. Then God, I don't get it, maybe you do get it, but I'll go your way. I will go your way. And that's a sign of people moving towards God, a sign of a life walking with and submitting to God. Just let us live lives that draw near to God. If you want to draw near to God, here's some steps we can take. And you may be at different places on this journey, so some of these may not apply to you, but someone here, these might. First step to draw near to God, stop running. Stop running. Some of you have been running from God for years. You may not even remember why you started. Maybe you remember all too well. Stop running. Be honest with God about what you're feeling, even if that's anger and frustration and resentment. He already knows what you're feeling. 
So let that be freed of that by sharing that with him. And begin a conversation with God. Stop running. My guess is if you're here this morning, you, you maybe have already taken that step, or you're at least a little willing to consider it. And after you stop running, I would encourage you to turn around. Because the beautiful part about drawing near to God is you could have been running for the past 40 years of your life. You could have been running from God and say, I am so far from God. That, you know, stopping is not going to be enough. We simply turn around. Uh, the Bible calls us repentance. We repent and go 180 the other way. We simply turn around. Guess who's there? The Father. Because the Father is near. I, I just had the honor of walking with the family yesterday through a memorial service. We talked about a, a psalm that says that God is near to the brokenhearted and saved, saves the crushed in spirit. So we turn around and we, we, we stop running from God. And we go the other way. We repent of our sin. He is right there. doesn't matter how long you've been running. He is right there. So stop running. Turn around. And then move towards him. This is the actual drawing close to him. Find out more about what he is like. Make him a, a part of, of your focus each and every day. Just take a step towards that. If you've never thought about God on a daily basis, set aside a time in the morning to begin your day thinking about God. Find out what he's like through his word. Asking him, what does he have for you today? Or just surrendering yourself to him. Another way we can move towards God is just that, is surrender. Surrender an area of your life to Him. Chances are, we've all come in here this morning, we'd already be able to pinpoint, here's something that God is working on me. Or here's something that God wants to work on me, but I'm not willing to let Him right now. I'm not willing to surrender that part of my life to His control. I want to hold on to that anger. I want to hold on to that unforgiveness. I want to hold on to that greed. I want to hold on to that selfishness because either I'm having too much fun with it or I, I, I don't know what to do without it because it's all I've ever known. It seems that way. Whatever it is, it's probably a way you already know God is wanting to work in your life. It's already something that you know He wants you to submit to His ways and not our own. To surrender that is moving towards God. And the reason we can do that, we can surrender control to God, is because of who he is. And this kind of brings us to our next point. So first one is this, draw near. Second one is this, hold fast. Again, these first two points are about our relationship individually with God, but that's going to empower and equip our relationship with others within the body of Christ. Because when we hold fast to God, we can then bring others to Jesus and not to ourselves. For God who promised is faithful. The reality of this world is ever-present. I don't need to go far and look hard to find an illustration of the, the, the sin and the result of sin in this world. Fox Lake and the surrounding communities have experienced a tragic week as they, they, they lost uh, one of their police officers. If you haven't heard about uh, Lieutenant Joe Glenowitz um, died uh, in the line of duty. And just kind of show the kind of man he was. He actually wasn't even at work yet. He was on his way to work uh, when he noticed something and just, it was his, uh, he felt it was his duty and, and he went and um, lost his life. And so we've seen very close to home the weight of sin in someone's life. So these men sinned against him and took his life. A family was destroyed. A community was rocked. It, 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 it's an ugly world out there. But see, the days will never go dark when our hope is in God. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And so how do we live in times like these? We have to acknowledge that, that we are the light of the world when Jesus is in us. So yes, we can mourn, we can grieve. These are appropriate responses to things like that that happen in our, our backyard or in other surrounding communities. 
But we're not mourning and grieving as ones without hope. We're mourning and grieving out of heartache for the condition of our world. Because our hope is in Christ. I want to pause real quick, just in light of that. You know, here we are in the midst of a series talking about how do we live in this world in light of the next. And we have some major things going on in our backyard. And I just felt it was appropriate as kind of praying through God. How do we deal with this on a Sunday morning? What would be appropriate? What's the appropriate place for the church? Because there's, there's tragedy all around. This is just the one that, that was most prevalent in the news. But the honest fact is every day, every week, there's this tragedy that goes on in our lives or that you hear about or that someone you know uh, experiences. Um, but I just felt it was appropriate just to take a minute. I want to pray for those who have identified themselves as peacekeepers in our communities whether it be police officers or uh, military, post, present, or, f- or future. You know, if you're working towards that or if you uh, are a veteran or, or you are currently operating in any of those capacities, we just want to pray for you right now. We, we, we thank you for the work that you do. Uh, we thank, you know, Lieutenant Joe and his family uh, for the sacrifice that they have made and want them to know that they are not alone, uh, but we will stand together um, as a body of Christ and love this community despite the dark days it may go through. Let us be a church that points people to the hope that is in Jesus, no matter the heartache. And the best way we can do that is when our world gets rocked, that we can run to the hope we have in Jesus. We can remember that God is a light in this world. We can remember that he makes promises to us, and we're going to look at those in a minute. But I just want to pause real quick. And so if there's someone around you, if you know that they're a veteran, or if you know that they've uh, a police officer that identified themselves as a, a peacekeeper in our community, Put a hand on their shoulder. Um, if you guys want to stand, I, I'm not going to put anyone on the spot. Uh, if you, you know, um, we just want to pray. If you know that you're being prayed for, um, I apologize that it puts you in a weird place, but we're, we're going to do that now, so let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you uh, for the peacekeepers in our midst. And Father, it, it, I know we're talking about in ways as far as how our community engages with each other, but um, let us all strive to be a, a peacekeeper, Father, when it comes to showing people about you. They could be, that they could be at peace with you, Father. But we also acknowledge that we live in a, in a dark world full of sin. And so we thank you for those men and women who have uh, who've answered the call to be peacekeepers in our community. We pray that you'd protect them, Father, that you'd be with them in a dangerous line of work, that you would guard our, our police officers and our military men and women um, who, who have put themselves on the front lines, Father. And when tragedy does strike, Father, I pray that um, any community where that would happen would, would respond much like Fox Lake has, where they draw together as a community, Father. And let it be more than just a locational community around a town, Father. But let the body of Christ, all those in those areas who would, would call on your name, Lord Jesus, let them be a community within that community, reach out to others with the hope that is found in you. Sharing your love for your people. So Father, we do pray, uh, just we ask your protection upon their lives and upon their families' lives as well as they step to the front lines of, of keeping the peace in our communities. In your name, amen. So some of the promises that God has made to us, this is just in Hebrews alone. We don't have to go far. This is just in the book of Hebrews. God has promised that, we, that we'll be perfected by a single sacrifice that's in Jesus, Hebrews 10, 14. He's promised to write his law on our hearts that we would know right from wrong. Verse 10, 16. He promises that, that he will remember our sins no more. That one's huge. Verse 10, 17. He promises to bring good about in our lives through discipline. So some of the pain we may experience in life, 
maybe a result of discipline in our lives, and, and God promises that that will bring about our good. That's verse 12, 10. God promises to work in us what is pleasing in his sight, that God will do a good work in and through us. That is verse 13, 21. God promises never to leave us or forsake us, chapter 13, verse 5. And so let's wrap up with, with the final point where we're getting here, point three and then leading to three and a half. Let us consider one another. We see that in verse 24. Consider how is how it says, but really when we look at the, the original text, that word consider carries a heavier weight that we really can't, uh, the way just the, 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 the word, the, the sentence structure fits, it, it kind of some gets lost in there. So let me show you what I'm talking about. If we go back to Hebrews 3.1, we see this word consider again. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. What that word there means, it means look at Jesus, think about him, focus on him, study him, be mentally occupied by Jesus. And that same word and same grammar structure is put forth here in chapter 10 verse 24 and so what is it saying that we should look at we should think about we should focus on we should study we should be mentally occupied by one another think about the weight of that for a minute that we should think on others with this with the similar energy that we would think on jesus and we're going to see that the, the point of that is so we can stir each other up for good works and for love one of the ways we live this out is by not neglecting to meet together Church, gather together often with other believers. I've never heard someone come to me and say this. You know, Steve, I've been meeting in a small group or I've been meeting with some Christians from, you know, all one church or various churches. We gather together for breakfast or I've been serving on a team and just kind of getting to know some people. And so I've been doing life with other Christians. And you know what? I've just been growing too much. You know what? God is just doing too much work in my life. You know, Yes, we are still having some rocky spots with my spouse, but where we were ten years or one year ago or one month ago, you know, God is just doing some awesome things, and He's worked through the people in my life. Or hey, you know, I went through a major tragedy, and there were just too many people willing to walk with me through that tragedy, and too many people providing meals and caring for my kids, and uh, you know, whatever. I've never heard that. I've never heard someone step into a relationship with other believers and say, "Whoa, this is just too much." You got the one person might dig into your life a little too much, but that's on another topic. Um, but you just don't hear that. What I do hear all the time is, yeah, I, I, you know, I know I haven't been around much, and my life's kind of a mess. I hear that all the time, and it breaks my heart because the body of Christ is here, and beyond these walls, even there are Christians we can connect in with and, and do life together with. And God works in and through those relationships to bring about love and good works. So let us not neglect meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. So we have to ask the question, what's your habit? Is your habit to neglect meeting together or to not? Which one would describe you in your life? You know, there's all kinds of ways we can meet together here. I kind of mentioned some already, but I just want to sit on this just for a brief moment. Uh, We have some home groups and if there's not one that's a perfect fit for you, you know what? We'll find a place to connect you in. 
If you're interested in one, just fill out your communication card. Um, there's one from last week. I said I'll follow up with them. We'll, we'll, we'll contact you. We'll get you plugged into a home group. You can try out a bunch of different ones. They meet throughout the week, different times, different groups, different setups. There's even one on Sunday morning that's starting, uh, I, I believe, next week, and it's going to be a Romans Bible study. And it'll be upstairs in the conference room at 845. There's some on Tuesdays uh, in the mornings and the evenings. And the, there's other ones that are in the works to start up. But there are all kinds of different home groups that you can get plugged in. And the focus of these groups, while they may have different topics they're addressing, is doing life together. If that's a, too much of a commitment, I get it. I understand. To go from, hey, I can come on Sundays when I can, to, hey, I'm committing every week for the next three months, that's a big step. I get that. Some other smaller steps is maybe to serve on a team once a month. Serve on a team for once a month. Because serving on those teams is so much more than just getting a job accomplished. If you serve on the setup team, I love watching the setup team guys set up. Uh, part of it kills me because I, I want to jump in and, and work with them uh, by other things I need to do on Sunday mornings that I'm working on. Um, but when I, when I see them setting up, I see conversation and relationship building. I don't know if the guys on the team have always been friends, but I look at them and I say, hey, those guys are friends. Because they're doing life together as they set up the very chairs that you are sitting in. They do life together as they're setting up the, the tables and chairs under the tent for us to have fellowship afterwards. They're doing life together when they're tearing this all down while we're going and enjoying some pie. So if you want to free them up from that, you can help, help them in that too and uh, get to meet some awesome people. So I encourage you, check out our setup and teardown team. Our children's team, we talked about this last week. With just the influx of children, it's been an awesome thing, a blessing. There's a need for some additional volunteers in there. Man, you want to talk about doing life together? Put yourself in a room with about 10 to 12 uh, kids in the nursery. It gets real. No, I mean, I've, I've seen things. I mean, just, I, I come home to my wife who's been caring for three kids, and I'm just blown away by, by what she's able to accomplish in light of that. Anytime I'm home with the three kids, I'm lucky if one of them has pants on by the end of the day, you know, let alone accomplish anything in the house. And so I mean, it gets real in there, but some of you are gifted in those ways. So serve in those ways and do life with those people on the children's team. Betsy talked about housekeeping. Our, our greeters are our great first step to, you know, if you're not sure where to plug in, hey, just come and greet some people. Put a smile on your face and welcome people in the church the same way that you've been welcomed in. And in doing so, you get to do life with some awesome people and get to know them. Jump on our tech team. I, I, I keep going. I'm going to stop with that one, but there's all kinds of different places to plug in. If you're not sure where, fill out your communication card. If you are sure where, fill out your communication card. Put that in the offering here later in just a minute. So do life together. You can also uh, just meet one-on-one -on -one with someone. Maybe your next step of doing life together, about being in community, is going to happen on a Sunday morning. Here's the difference, though. See, this verse isn't so much a here's why you have to come to church type of message. It's not even a here's why you have to come to church type of verse, although I I've heard of many pastors who have used this verse to say here's why you have to come to church. Because honestly, that's not the heart we want to approach this with. Honestly, uh, it should be a heart of we get to go to church. And we, we do so freely and joyfully. And if that's not the case, there's two things we need to check. The first one is our heart, and the second one is our church. Because there's probably something wrong with one of those, or both of those. And if there is with, with either one, we don't need to throw it away, but we can then deal with that issue. We can then bring that to light and say, hey, we, we need to be a place that, that is inviting, encouraging. We need a place that when we're set up to keep someone out of a circle, we say, no, bro, come on in and destroy my illustration. That's the kind of place we need to be. And we are, and that's beautiful, and that is awesome. And that's an awesome thing. 
So our heart isn't one of, here's why you have to come to church, but it's one we get to. So what is this verse really talking about? Not neglecting meeting together. It's talking about this stirring one another up. There's this mutual relationship, which, which can't always happen uh, through the Sunday morning gathering time, but before and after, it can. Where there's a mutual back and forth. This one another has that sense of mutuality. Where we're building each other up. And this brings us to our half a point. Three and a half. Let us stir up one another to love and good works, verse 24 says. Let us stir up one another to love and good works. What stirs you up? What encourages you? Think about that. A kind word, a thoughtful gesture, a note in the mail, an email, showing up and seeing someone mowing your grass for you, a home-cooked meal, a plate full of fudge, Ed Matheson looking in your direction, he doesn't eat it, so he'll give it out, so don't worry. Get to know Ed. <laughs> um, whatever it is, what would encourage you to hold fast to Jesus? Do that in someone else's life. So when someone experiences a death, what would help you hold fast to Jesus despite losing a loved one? Maybe just having a friend around. So go and be there with that friend. You don't even need to say anything. Just be with them. What would help you hold fast to Jesus if your marriage was in shambles? Well, maybe to, to be able to talk with someone who's gone through that. So if that's your story, go and share that. If not, find another brother or sister in Christ who, who has it and can speak into that. What, what would help encourage you when you're going through any kind of tragedy? What would help encourage you when your heart is hard? That's what I think that goes under the radar so many times. A lot of times, the, the, the ways that we'll sin against God, it, yes, we need to deal with those sins, but so many times it's a result of a hardness of heart that we need to deal with. What would help soften your heart? Maybe it'd be a, a loving brother or sister just lovingly calling you out and saying, hey, bro, what's up? Let's talk. Call someone today and be that in their life. Let us grow together in community. Let us stir one another up for good works and love. When people are around you, what do you bring out of them? When you're around other people, what do you bring out of them? What do they bring, bring about out of you? That should give it some insight into if you're surrounding yourselves with the body of Christ. And you just follow and ask them, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? I mean, we should start with that. I'm not saying we shouldn't go and be involved in the lives of others who aren't followers of Christ. That's actually next week that we need to listen to. We need to hear. But we, because of the work of Jesus that perfects us, because of the fact that we can confidently enter into a relationship with God and be in his presence, we are then to, to stir one another up, not neglecting to meet together, but to build one another up so that we can go and accomplish love and good works. Here's a, a last final warning the author closes with. We see at the end of verse 25, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day is referring to when Christ comes back. And as we understand a little more about what that day will look like 2 Timothy 3 1 through 2 tells us this but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy it just keeps on the list keeps on going and I always find this little caveat here, interesting that disobedience to parents is on this list with all these other uh, major significant things, but that's, like I said, a whole other morning, a whole other message. Um, but times will become more difficult. It will not become easier 
to be a follower of Christ as the final days approach. So whether we're in the final days or they're still to come, regardless, it will not get easier to follow Christ. And so let us join together with one another, stir one another up, because we have our hope in Jesus. So when someone else is going through something, call them to that as well. Uh, a brother of mine posted a, a comment to a picture someone put on his Facebook wall, and um, at, at the end of the day, and I really struggle with this, at the end of the day, it was just, it wasn't even so much that it was tasteless humor, but that the picture that he was commenting on, when you really stopped and look at what it was, it was like, is this really something that we should find funny? Is this really something that should be seen as humorous? And, and so I, I, I typed out a text message, he lives states away, and I, a quick text message, I, I, that's all it would need. I'm like, I don't want to send this. I don't want to call my brother out and say, hey, bro, this really wasn't appropriate. I don't want to come across as this judgmental guy. And the more I thought about it, I got to this point. I said, what if I was someone that my buddy was trying to reach, trying to share the gospel with? Would this hurt my witness? I thought, you know what? I think it would. I don't, I don't, I don't want to send this message. I don't want to send this message. <laughs> and then I thought about this. What if the roles were reversed? What if I had posted something like that that just had potential to hurt my witness. It, it, at the bare minimum, it didn't add anything good. Would I want him to say, hey, Steve, might want to rethink that one. I thought, yes, I would. Why? Because I need someone to stir me up and encourage me to hold on to Christ in all things. And so I sent that text, and a little conversation went back and forth and ended with just a, a mutual love. Hey, love your brother. And he said, hey, thank, thanks for the loving rebuke. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't trying to rebuke you. I was just trying to say that you were wrong. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's a rebuke. And, <laughs> but I really wanted you to know that I love you. And that was evident. That was seen. And so let us be those kinds of brothers and sisters in each other's lives. We're willing to, to, to lovingly step on toes a little bit, to stir each other up for the glory of God and to work in each other's lives. I'm way over time, and I apologize. I'm going to make up for it next week because we're going to get you out early next week to get you to the, the parade. But don't worry, I also got pie for you. Well, I don't have pie. Betsy does. But So let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you so much just for this time we have to gather together. We thank you for each other, Father God, that when our community goes through tough times, that because we can lean on you, we can lean on each other as we point each other to you. And Father, I'm so excited that we are already a church that then has this heart for others Help us to grow in that and expand upon that and to continue to be salt and light, to continue to be ambassadors, Father God. But to do that well, it needs to begin first with you, finding our hope in you, and then to build into each other, to not do life in a silo, but to do it in relationship. So Father, convict us, speak to our hearts here this morning, draw us into relationship with others. We can stir one another up, not neglecting to meet together. So you'd work about love and good works. Praise all in your name because you are an amazing God. We thank you. Amen.